Hey everybody, how we doing? It's episode 49 of the little podcast known as Internal Budget. Thank you so much for listening as always. It's Brandon Mackey, staff writer for Silver7Sends.com coming at you. And hey, we've got a little birthday to celebrate because on Wednesday, Internal Budget turned one year old. The podcast has been going on for one year now. Um, The goal of getting to 52 episodes within a year didn't exactly happen. Maybe for the best. But thank you so much for the way you've responded to the show, the way you have engaged with the show, um, the way you've taken an interest in it is really what's powered it forward, frankly, on the days where I didn't feel like doing it, or I didn't know if I was maybe wasting my time. Most of the time, this is really fun, and I enjoy doing it just for the fun of it. Sometimes it sucks. (laughs) But no, seriously, thank you. Uh, It does mean the world to me, and I am really, really looking forward to seeing what the future brings, to seeing how far we can take this thing. Probably not very far, but at least now... The podcast is finally operating during a period when there is actual hockey on. That's pretty neat. (laughs) The show has been covering more time than the Ottawa Senators weren't playing than when they've been playing. But they are finally back. The new season is finally underway. There are gorgeous new uniforms fresh young players. It is a good time to be a Sens fan. And it is a good time to like the podcast, share with your friends, download, subscribe, rate five stars, all that fun stuff. The little things that go a long way and they are very appreciated. And uh, yeah, we are going to get back to the video podcast at some point. Right now, I am limited by some technical difficulties that I'm trying to resolve. The complications of a global pandemic make that somewhat more difficult, but nevertheless, I am trying to get it done as quickly as I can, and hopefully you'll get to see my pretty face on camera once again very soon. But yeah, new season is finally happening, 310 days between games. 310 days between when the Ottawa Senators played the last NHL game on March 11th, 2020, before things shut down, before the NHL shut down, 3-2 overtime loss to the Los Angeles Kings. And of course, when the new season begins, the Senators are one of the last teams to have their schedule begin, other than the teams that had COVID postponements, of course. So 310 days after the Ottawa Senators played their last game, they get to play again. And they get to play again with new uniforms that fans have been begging for for 15 or so odd years. They get to do it with new fresh blood. Their shiny new third overall draft pick, Tim Stutzla, gets to play his first NHL game. Your top line is Brady Kachuk, Josh Norris, and Drake Batherson. The kids are all right. You got a new starting goaltender in Matt Murray. And I know they lost the rematch 
on Saturday a week ago today. But how fun was that? Seriously. All the anticipation, speculation, tabulation for the nation. The Sens finally return. And when they do, they humiliate the Leafs on national TV. I know Sens fans have no love lost for the Toronto Maple Leafs. They take no pleasure in watching the Leafs lose, of course. But it was fun watching the Sens win. And they put up five goals. And not only did they put up five goals, but the kids chipped in. They outshot the Leafs despite taking a bunch of penalties. Like, it was a thorough, frankly, ass-whooping of a win. Thomas Shabbat scores. Brady Kachuk scores. The kids power the Sens to victory. When they do win games this year, however few or far between they may be, that's what's going to need to happen. They're going to go down like that. It's going to take a complete effort. It's going to take some big saves from whoever's in net, be it Matt Murray or Marcus Hogberg. And it's going to be the young players that determine whether or not the Sens win. The top line of Kachuk, Batherson, and Norris combined for seven points. That's fun. They've been playing really well. And yeah, sure. The next game, the Leafs got it back. But think about what really happened in that one, too. The Senators only lost by one goal, and they got shelled. They really didn't show up until the last 10 minutes of the game. And even still, they only lost by one. Nick Paul continues his coming out party with a goal. And then the piece de resistance is Tim Stutzlow's amazing, mouth-watering first NHL goal. I mean, he tracked that puck while it was floating 20 feet in the air. He had his eyes locked on it the whole way. And when it finally hit the ice, at the exact nanosecond that it hit the ice, he drilled it past Jack Campbell. That is a nice goal for your 100th, never mind your first. And I can't help but feel like there are going to be a lot more goals like that in Tim Stutzla's future. So that was cool. That was a hell of a play. And yeah, the Senators lost, but they did what everyone was hoping they would do this year. Even when they lose... They'll make it entertaining. And that's all you can ask for from a rebuilding squad. It really is. The young players showed up. Goaltending was solid. They played a good hockey team. They lost by one goal. They got uh, two of four points on a back-to-back to begin the season against the team that's probably going to win the division. A team that beat the Edmonton Oilers last night without the help of Austin Matthews or Joe Thornton. I think that's a pretty okay result to take from the first two games of the National Hockey League season. Especially when you haven't played in almost a calendar year. Especially when 
a lot of guys on your roster are getting their first taste of an extended look in the NHL. Batherson's finally a full-time NHLer. Norris is, if he's not there, he's almost solidified himself. Tim Stutzla's not going anywhere this year. So to do that against the Leafs, to take two of four, to win the first game, to keep the second one close, can't ask for much better than that. And things kind of went off the rails in the two games against Winnipeg. Mind you, the first one, it's the same thing I talked about in this game against the Leafs. The Senators roared out to a great start. They played a really solid, almost complete game, especially without Stutzla. Because that's a guy who you can tell he provides some energy to that lineup, the way he flies around, the way he tries to make plays, how skilled he is, um, how good he is at creating things in the offensive zone. And it, it just felt like Ottawa's night. The power play looked good. Five on five looked good. Things were looking up. Goaltending was solid. Murray you played another really nice game. And then the wheels fell off. It really wasn't one thing or the other. It was not an Ottawa Senators collapse that we've seen in the past. They didn't completely stop playing. Again, like we've seen them do in the past. They kept playing. They played really well in the third period in overtime. And in a game where you have two power play goals from a power play that has been historically anemic, you have a first NHL goal from Josh Norris. You have Chris Tierney's second in the year. You have Alex Galchenyuk's first as an Ottawa Senator. That just feels like a game you're going to win. Outshot Winnipeg 41-28. to And somehow... They didn't come out with the win. Somehow that 3-1 lead evaporated into a 4-3 overtime loss. And how did that happen? I just, I really do think that it was just bounces that didn't go their way. Brassois made some unbelievable saves. Brady Kachuk was robbed on the doorstep on one play. And Matt Murray was beat by screens, deflections, and a breakaway that... Artem and Isimov got caught in a neutral zone on in overtime. It was more unfortunate than it was aggravating or unacceptable. I think those are the games that are going to be really beneficial to this team long term. It really emphasizes the fact for me that no lead is safe. That sometimes... A veteran team is going to find a way to win. And if the Ottawa Senators want to compete, that they're going to have to do the same. And they will. I have no doubt about that. It will come. But they got a lesson. And that's not a bad thing. And I don't think anybody was reasonably expecting the Ottawa Senators to make the playoffs this year. It could happen. But there's no shame in losing to a team like Winnipeg. What kind of drew the ire of everybody though were the comments that head coach DJ Smith made post game 
when asked about the loss and and why the lead fell apart and why the Senators emerged with only one point instead of the two that they seemed virtually guaranteed to win, DJ Smith chalked it up to young mistakes as the reason that the Senators lost. And he took some flack for that, rightfully so. I mean, I like DJ Smith. I really do. I think as someone who was perhaps a little bit lukewarm on the hire when it was made, I feel like my expectations were, if not exceeded, then they were met to the letter last year. There was more structure. The team seemed like they were buying into a system. The best goaltender played. Marcus Hogberg played ahead of veterans like Craig Anderson. Young players. They got opportunities, and when they didn't, or when they didn't come through on those opportunities, they were held accountable. And when they weren't ready, they got opportunities down the line. See Drake Batherson. Nick Paul got an opportunity to play. He ended up getting a place in Ottawa. Didn't quite work out for Logan Brown, but we don't know if he would have been back in Ottawa at the end of last season had he been healthy. And maybe he would have been like Batherson where it took him the first part of last season to kind of figure things out a little bit, and then that was all he needed. Nevertheless, I think he's done a really good job with the development of these young players. Especially Paul and Batherson, if you look at them this year, they're top-end forwards on this team. DJ Smith said the other night that you could argue Nick Paul has been their most consistent forward through four games. I would agree with that. I really would. He's been exceptional. And Drake Batherson has looked like a top-line right winger. He really has. He has shown flashes of really high-end skill. He's got a great nose for the net. His confidence is just exactly what you wanted to see from Batherson coming into this year. And I think part of that has to be attributed to Smith. Not all of it's on him. Obviously, these players have done exactly what they were told. They've put in the work, both in the offseason and in-season, to become the players that they've become. But Smith's played a role in that. All of that said, I'm not sure what the thought process was here for him to say that it was young mistakes that cost him the game. Because... Everyone rightly pointed out it was the veterans that got burned for most of the game. And that's unfortunately been a theme that's sort of carried over through the rest of the season. When the Senators get scored on, it's not usually Brady Kachuk, Josh Norris, Drake Batherson on the ice. It's not usually Tim Stutzla on the ice. And more importantly than that, it's not those players that are getting caved in in terms of possession. If you look at the course need percentages for the Ottawa Senators through four games, Brady Kachuk leads the team with a 58.33 rating. 
Nikita Zaitsev is at 55, 56. He's third. Jesus. We'll talk about him in a little bit. Derek Stepan is one vet who has played up to snuff for the most part. 50.55 expected goals ratings uh, are getting there. But Drake Batherson is right behind him at 48.35. He's sixth on the team. Josh Norris is ninth, 44.3. If you go down to the bottom of this chart, and I'm not saying this to to slam anybody or to say, oh, these guys don't belong in the NHL and fire them into the sun. No. I'm just saying the situational deployment is not working out in the Ottawa Senators' favor because of these numbers here. Cedric Paquette has a course percentage of 25.45. When Cedric Paquette has been on the ice this season, he has been outchanced collectively 14 to 41. Austin Watson, who's actually, I think, has played pretty well, He's scored a big goal. He's filled his role, though. When he's been on the ice, he knows he's not going to dominate possession. When he's on the ice, it's to run around, be physical, and not make glaring mistakes, which he's done so far. But a 31.37 Corsi percentage. Artemon Isimov, 38.71. If you are deploying these players, these types of players, in a consi- on a consistent basis when you have a lead late in the game or in overtime, we saw both. We saw Anisimov in overtime. Paquette too, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. That is not a recipe for success. I'm not saying don't play these guys ever. They they're more than capable of filling in in a fourth line capacity, but a fourth line capacity doesn't mean seeing key minutes. In the last minute of a game, I know there was much ado about Brady Kachuk saying he thinks the top line is ready. Based on the numbers, I'm fine with that. But you have what's been a really nice checking line in Chris Tierney, Nick Paul, and Connor Brown. Everybody's numbers kind of got a little skewed by that last Winnipeg game because no senator touched the puck the entire night. But... That had been Ottawa's best line through four games. I still think it has. Mind you, the Chuck Norris-Batherson line has been driving a lot of the offense, but I think if you're talking in terms of consistency, in terms of not making mistakes, in terms of maintaining puck possession, it's got to be that third line. So if you want to call it young mistakes, Chris Tierney, Nick Paul, and Connor Brown are not your young players. Artemon Isimov, Cedric Paquette, Austin Watson, those aren't young players. Your top line is your young players, and they've been they've been what has powered the team offensively. Brady Kachuk's expected goals rating through three games is 68.62. Drake Batherson's 62.99. Josh Norris is 55.05. You have these young players that are producing offense at an elite level. The points on the board, they'll come. I believe Drake Batherson is the only player on that line that hasn't scored yet. But they all have points through the first few games, through the first four games. Brady Kachuk's got three. Batherson's got three assists. Josh Norris has three, a goal and two assists. Again, 
It's coming. But let them figure it out. And I understand what the senators are trying to do here by saying it's young mistakes. I get it. Nobody rides for free. Understood. That's what you have to do. You're creating a culture of accountability. You're creating a culture where losing and mistakes that shouldn't be made are not acceptable. I get it. That's a good thing long term. But don't put losses like that on your young players when they're the ones that got you in a position to win in the first place. And I get it. Look, DJ Smith is a young head coach, too. He's figuring this out, too. That's what people tend to lose sight of. I think DJ Smith is a really good coach. I really like what I've seen from DJ Smith so far. And perhaps this whole thing, this one sentence, this kind of throwaway sentence that he made at at a post-game presser was sort of blown out of proportion. But at the end of the day, I do believe that it's important to recognize who is playing well. And if you were throwing those guys under the bus, well, maybe that's too harsh, throwing under the bus. If young mistakes are what you're attributing it to, when your young players are the ones that have been driving this team forward, I understand why that rub fans the wrong way. And again, maybe it's just a young team in the sense that these guys haven't played together for that long. Both veterans and youngsters are still getting used to each other. No preseason, truncated camp, all that. Maybe that's what he meant. I mean, the the way he's coached the past year or so, I'm going to give DJ Smith the benefit of the doubt. Again, I really like what he's done. I think the Ottawa Senators are in good shape with him at the helm for now. So I don't see any reason to call for the guy's head after a comment like that. And I said that it's important to recognize when players are playing well. And further to that notion, the only thing that I can say is, will the real Nikita Zaitsev please stand up? Hello? What is going on here? This is a player that everyone in Ottawa was clamoring to trade. Last uh, last episode... Brandon Plant and I were talking about Nikita Zaitsev, and Brandon referred to Zaitsev as one of the worst players in the league analytically. And I said it myself, Nikita Zaitsev is not what you would refer to as an analytical darling. And yet, through four games, the Ottawa Senators' leader in assists, points, third in Corsi percentage, Second in total time on ice. It's Nikita Zaitsev. Who would have thought that through four National Hockey League games, Nikita Zaitsev would have an expected goals differential or an expected goals percentage? That is 0.02% lower than Brady Kachuk. Absolutely bananas. This guy has, I don't know what he did in the offseason. 
I don't know if he changed his training, he changed his diet, or if it was just a matter of focusing on the finer points of his game. But Zaitsev has come out flying, and I don't know if he can maintain uh, a better than a point of game pace. I'm not sure that would be reasonable to expect from him, but we all have to give credit where credit's due here. Because this is a player that the Ottawa Senators fans were not high on. And that contract is ugly. I get it. But, and it would be one thing if Zaitsev had a team leading figure in assists or points. And the underlying numbers didn't back it up. But they do. The chances differential when Nikita Zaitsev has been on the ice are 60-48. to In the Ottawa Senators' favor. Zaitsev has been on the ice for the most chances for. Than any Ottawa Senator on the season. More than Thomas Shabbat. More than Brady Kachuk. There has really been no serious negative to his game. Defensively, he's played well. Offensively, he's getting the puck to the net and he's getting rewarded with points. And he's not firing it into traffic and creating turnovers. He's finding lanes, he's getting it to the net, and his teammates are capitalizing on it. He also has the second most defensive zone starts on the team through four games. So he's not just being put on the ice in sweetheart positions. He's being asked to handle a sizable amount of responsibility in the defensive end. And he has. I've been breaking down every game on Peter. I've watched every Ottawa game twice to start this season. And the plays I've seen Nikita Zaitsev make in hand are not what I would have considered Zaitsev-like plays long ago. I'm going to pull some of them up now. Should have done this before the show. Mr. Professional, you had all your stats, but you don't have your clips. That's nice. And I can't really stress how much it has surprised me. Even in that game where the Ottawa Senators got shelled by Winnipeg, Nikita Zaitsev makes a beautiful play to set up Tyranny's goal. A rush into the offensive zone, pulls the puck to his backhand, and a little flutter pass to the side where Tyranny's right there to make it in. And it's not even just the offensive plays that have stood out from Zaitsev. I mean, little plays that he's would not have made a year ago that would have been resulted in glaring mistakes from him. They're not happening. There was a play in the second Leafs game. Mitch Marner chipped the puck by him in the Ottawa zone. And whereas last year Zaitsev probably would have tried to turn and chase and skate with him, he just takes him hard into the boards. He comes at him from a flat angle and throws a hip at Marner, knocks him down, and allows Connor Brown to go into the corner and retrieve the puck and take away what was an opportunity for Toronto to establish their forecheck. It's little things that are opening up his offensive game. When he doesn't make the same mistakes defensively, He's able to jump up into the rush, and he's able to be a part of the offensive attack, and he's able to get the puck to the net. I believe he said the other day, it's just getting more opportunities from the coaching staff. I really just think when Nikita Zaitsev is on his game, when he's playing how he's capable of defensively, 
then it's just that those offensive opportunities are going to be more prevalent. And we've talked about trying to find a defense partner for Thomas Shabbat. It's been Eric Goodbranson for much of this season. I would like to see Zaitsev with Shabbat more. They were one of the best pairings in the league based on the underlying numbers when they when they played together this year. Zaitsev and Mike Riley were even better. So if you want to keep Zaitsev with Riley too, do that. And maybe give Josh Brown a look with Shabbat. I know his... Uh, his his Corsi percentages and his possession numbers, they have not been phenomenal. But I've really liked what he's done defensively. Like Zaitsev, he makes a lot of those very small but very effective plays. The way he takes angles away to limit chances to the perimeter, the way he blocks shots, the way he picks up his man in front of the net. Glaring mistakes are few and far between. So you can't use analytics or stats or anything, frankly, as a one-size-fits-all tool to evaluate a given player. But when talking about Nikita Zaitsev, everything is working for him right now. He's getting the stats. He's getting the possession metrics that make the nerds happy. He's doing it all. And I really hope he can keep it up because I've been majorly impressed. And let's talk about Matt Murray a little bit as well because I know this was a hot-button topic on Sen's Twitter and in the Sen's sphere. Through his first four games as a member of the Ottawa Senators, Matt Murray has one win, two losses, an overtime loss, a 3.78 goals against average, and a .88 save percentage. That's not good. I'm not disputing that. That is... Those are not the numbers that the Ottawa Senators wanted to see from Matt Murray coming into this season. But... It's not... They don't tell the whole story. There have been a lot of goals this year where Matt Murray just straight up did not have a chance. Even in that, you know, they give up four goals to Winnipeg the other night. I would argue that he had a shot on one of them, maybe two. And it's because a lot of these goals have come on the penalty kill. Or they've come when the Senators have been down a man. And Ottawa's penalty kill does not challenge the high shooters enough. It is a penalty kill that right now, I don't know if it's the way it's structured or just the way it's being played, but shooters from the point and guys posted up at the top of the circles are being given all day to uncork these bullets of shots. And even if they don't beat Murray, the mad scrambles that they create, the way he has to fly across the crease to get back in time, it's not conducive to helping your goaltender out. And he's allowed some soft ones, and he's owned that. The first goal, Nikolai Ehlers' goal that went five-hole, he said, that's unacceptable. I have to make that safe. I have to be better. So for everybody panicking about Matt Murray, four games into a season where he's playing with a new team, again, limited offseason, screwed up training camp, 
If you're panicking about a goaltender that has won more than 100 games in the NHL, has won two Stanley Cups, if you're doing that now, I'm really not sure what your expectations are. We knew this team was going to struggle. They have to score on, get scored on to get str- to struggle. They're going to be all right. Matt Murray is going to be okay. He's facing a lot of shots. And yeah, things aren't going his way right now. Things haven't gone the Ottawa Senators' way. But I really think that goaltending is the least of their worries. I really do. The way he's had to fly across the crease, you know, cross-ice passes that have beat him, deflections that have beat him, screens that have beat him, his defensemen have to get out of his way. If that happens one more time, I'm going to lose it. If Braden Coburn or Josh Brown or whoever are standing in front of Matt Murray while he's trying to make a save again, going to snap. And I don't really have a lot more to say on that front because it is kind of abstract. You might not agree with me that Matt Murray didn't have a shot on a lot of those goals. That's fine. I think for Murray, the better the team does, the better he's going to do. And his numbers will probably peak by the end of the year. He's going to improve as the season goes on. And by the end of the season, that's when we'll be talking about Matt Murray playing some really good hockey. And the Ottawa Senators have themselves a really nice goaltender in Matt Murray. And thank you for listening today. But before we wrap the show up, I keep forgetting to mention this. So I'll do it now. Rebel 101.7, awesome hard rock radio station in Ottawa. Every Wednesday morning at around 8.10 a.m. Eastern Time, you can find me on Cornicky and Mel in the morning to talk some sense. We'll talk about the week that was. We'll talk about any kind of budding storylines with the team, guys who are performing, guys who are maybe struggling. It has been a lot of fun so far. If you've missed any of them, we've done two. You can find them on my YouTube page. It's just Brandon Mackey. I've posted them all on Twitter as well. But make sure if you're up at that time in the morning, if you're an early bird, make sure you get the worm and listen to Brandon on Cornicky and Mel in the morning. Rebel 101.7 Ottawa. And folks, that is it for episode 49 of Internal Budget. Thank you so much for listening. I really do appreciate it. Episode 50 next week. Where does the time go? Good God. Make sure you like the podcast, share it with your friends, download, subscribe, rate five stars, all the fun stuff, the little things that go a long way that are greatly appreciated. Please enjoy the hockey game tonight. Enjoy however many we get in next week before the next podcast. I think we're going to stick with the Saturday release for now, but we'll figure it out on the fly as we always do. In the meantime, please stay home, stay healthy, stay safe. We'll catch you with episode 50 next week. Take care, y'all.